Welcome to this last edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, the Real Gerald Quinn. Episode eight ninety five. We almost we almost had nine hundred. I that just kind of crept up on me. I realized that we're almost at nine hundred. Kind of think about what we're going to do for that particular episode. It's coming up soon too because we've been doing knocking off these uh, snowfall episodes. So by next week or the week after, probably in a couple of weeks because. Uh, you know, got a little vacation coming up. But anyway, uh, as we approach episode 900, really the last NBA salvo until something crazy happens in terms of the NBA, which is always possible in the summertime with these trades or demand for trades and things of that nature, or unless you're into summer league, which, which should be okay, which should be, very good this year, considering some of the talent that's going to be in the summer league. I'm actually going. To, I'm actually for the first time in years probably will watch the summer league. Uh, if uh, with Bianca playing and Scoot Henderson, some of those guys. But this is like you hit free agency. Once free agency is concluded, things kind of slow down a bit with the in regards of the uh, NBA offseason. We kind of you know shift into or shift our gears towards you know football college football, NFL training camps and stuff, things of that nature. We begin a dead time in the sports calendar. But when we get to that, we have a lot to talk about in terms of NBA free agency. So even before we get to the NBA free agency, this, of course, is July 4th. I'm not going to say happy July 4th based on the fact that we, you know, were another conversation for another day. Know the the true meaning of the Fourth of July and, and what have you. We always give our take our hats off to our our, our service men and women to to protect our country. But besides that, putting that aside, I can really care less about the Fourth of July from the standpoint uh, outside of having a couple of days off. And I hope everybody out there is enjoying their four day weekend. Um, if you were able, fortunate enough to get off uh, four days, uh, this marks. The seventh year anniversary of Kevin Durant announcing. Now he didn't officially sign to July seventh. So you, for those of you, oh, he signed July seventh. It was, it was official. Yeah, I get it. But he announced on July fourteenth, two thousand. Excuse me, on July fourth, two thousand sixteen, that he was going to indeed become a Golden State Warrior. This changed the landscape of the NBA for three years and basically made it unfair, in essence, as Golden State rolled to back-to-back championships. So the first, the second one was 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 much harder, uh, considering that they almost lost to uh, Houston. Probably easy could have lost. If, you know, who knows what ha- would have happened if Chris Paul was healthy, but Golden State will tell you we didn't have under Iguodala. So whatever, you know, the right team won. Uh, Golden State was the right team and, and the better team. The right team and the better team won, but they rolled to two straight championships. It could have easily been three uh, if if uh, Durant or Clay Thompson don't get hurt in the finals against Toronto. And then we all know what happened happened after that loss to Toronto with Durant. Um, Jets sent uh, Jets sent it the uh, Golden State Warriors for the Brooklyn Nets, and we saw how that turned out. So really a, a, a fork in a row moment for the NBA because you look at that decision, right? So it ended, like, look at the ramifications of, the, of that decision, right? So in so many ways, and we could, you could, we almost could probably do a podcast on that, to be honest with you. 
it ended Oklahoma City. Completely ended. Like Oklahoma City would would no longer be relevant as a title contender, even with the moves to get like Paul what Paul George and Russell Westbrook. They never got out the first round after that. They lost, you know, as even with Russell Westbrook winning MVP in, in the, the following year, uh, they were eliminated in the first round the next three straight three straight seasons. So they never were relevant again as a contender. Okay. Uh, so you have that. You have the fact that you look at this current CBA that really is going that really is going to make the NBA similar to the NFL as far as parity, as closest to the NFL as they've ever been as far as parity and balance around the league. Part of that was because Golden State was able to get Kevin Durant and have, in essence, uh, you know, four All Stars on the team with kept with Durant, Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. We will never see that collection of talent on the, on a team based on the fact of the current cap situation or where the CBA was going to take us in 23, 2023, 2024. So that this, that decision and the loophole that go, give Golden State credit, Bob Myers, the loophole that they found in the CBA at, at the in the old previous CBA took advantage of it and was able to sign up to like a two year. I think the the deal was two years. $54 million. So, so it affected that, you know, from that standpoint, it affected the landscape of the NBA and how business was conducted in the NBA in terms of the, the collective bargaining agreement. It cost LeBron James a title in, in 2017. That Cleveland, that 2017 Cleveland team was without question was a great basketball team. Now, who knows? Golden State could have bounced back and beat them the following year. I'm not saying it, that was a lock championship but it may have caught it that like that's that was really Cleveland's last going LeBron's last chance to win a championship in Cleveland or another championship in Cleveland uh on top of the one that he won in 2016 easily could have won easy that 2017 was a Cleveland team was one of those teams that doesn't get talked about a lot but that they were a dominant postseason team shaky in the regular season kind of cruised in the regular season made the trades at the midpoint, and then just destroyed the Eastern Conference, and was rolling into the into the NBA Finals before they ran to a historic Golden State team, which many feel are prob- probably the most dominant postseason team, and that we've seen in the in the in, you know maybe ever, like even over the '96 Bulls, even over the 2001 Lakers, which is dominating the postseason. That that. That Golden State team was what sixteen and one in the postseason, and just and I know they got some help. Kawhi going down in Game One of the West Conference Finals, they were up by down by twenty points, and Kawhi was rolling. But I don't think San Antonio was winning that series. Would it have been more competitive? Would it have been six or seven games? Would they make a work for it like Houston did the following year? Yeah, yes, but uh, I don't think anybody was going to beat that Golden State team. That particular Golden State team. Four times, even with a healthy, with a relatively healthy Andre Iguodala, they still had enough depth. They had to, they still had enough depth, and just you know, you had just four guys. They didn't have none of those guys had to be playing great all at the same time. If they got two, three, it was a wrap. If they just got two of them playing great, chances are they were going to uh, win the game. So that was a decision that really, you know, you look at free agent signings and how these things can to kind of alter a league or change a season, that affected 
that decision affected seasons upon seasons and it really affected the future and current climate uh, of, of the NBA right now, to be honest with you. So um, that was, a again, a major decision. Uh, Kevin Durant took a lot of heat for that decision. Um, now, what he did in Brooklyn, you know, and, you know, Kevin, you know, if you're Kevin Durant, you take heat for that decision. And since you left Golden State, it's been nothing but downhill from that point, from this, from up until now. Uh, it's been nothing but downhill leaving that franchise, which, again, I, for the life of me, will never understand. And Kevin Durant leaving Golden State. But, again, that's another story for another day. So, before we get into free agency, um, we have a couple of guys who will be who could be on the move. More than likely, one of them for sure is going to be on the move. Uh, Damian Lillard and um, Damian Lillard and James Harden. I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with the Damian Lillard part first because um, I got a lot on Harden. Got a lot, lot. I mean, a lot on Harden. Um, so Lillard. Request a trade uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, to no one's surprise, uh, I'm sure this was a relief for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, you know, they draft Scoot Henderson. They don't trade, you know, for Zion Williamson or for another veteran player, which, you know, let I, and I told you, and I, I was wholehearted and uh, wholeheartedly believed that Dame Lillard and Scoot Henderson would never play on the same floor together as teammates. Like that would that just was never gonna never gonna happen. It, it won't happen. Uh he will indeed be traded. Um to who? We'll see. Uh Miami wants him, but the bottom line is and a number of teams, I mean, there are a few teams that want him. So came out yesterday that the Pelicans, Celtics, um, Clippers, Pelicans, Celtics, Clippers, and Timberwolves all have interest in Dame Lillard. Now, listen, all of them like all of them have viable options, have viable pieces to give to, to Portland um, to make that trade happen. Uh, in particular, you know, I could you can put together packages for all those teams. Some of those teams, including Miami, will, will probably, I think realistically need a uh, a third team with draft picks to and to get a trade to make a uh, to make a, a fair offer and to engineer a trade to get Dave Miller. What's been clear though, what's been clear is the fact that and rightfully so, Portland is not going to sit up here and do Dame Damian Lillard a favor for, you know, eleven years of service, which they should like this is business. Their job as an organization is to get the best possible deal for their franchise. So, with that being said, a team like Miami, I, I think you know they can offer what Hero, Caleb Martin, and a pick in what twenty thirty, uh, twenty twenty eight, something like that. That's not enough for Dame Lillard, considering like they to move their team that's going to have to end. That's going to have to get a third team involved. Uh, in order to make that happen. Um, now, somebody like the Pelicans, again, with the, and again, I did a bunch of these fake trades on, last night. Uh, probably spent too much time on it, but even somebody like the Pelicans can only take in, you know, even somebody like the Pelicans 
uh, can only take in so much salary, they would probably have to get another, a third team involved to make the salaries match up because it is much harder to trade a player making the type of money that Dame Lillard is making under the new under this new collective bargaining agreement. It's not it is not easy to to make a, a blockbuster deal like that. Uh, you get that's why you need another team. You need another team involved, or you need somebody with a, a bunch of picks uh, involved. So. And in regards to the Clippers, in regard like if I'm Portland, if I'm Portland, neither the Clippers nor the Sixers do not. I like I would even think of looking at the Sixers, the, the Clippers or the Timberwolves. If I'm not getting Carl Anthony Towns back, or I'm not getting, or if I'm not getting uh, Paul George back, like I'm not like don't even I'm don't even pick up the phone. Like I don't even I'm not even gonna like I will hang up the phone. Like within those twenty seconds, if you're not getting that level of talent back, um, now again, it's gonna be interesting to see what how Miami navigates uh, their package. Again, I, I again, Hero, a draft pick, and, and Duncan Robinson, whoever. That's not enough. It's just not. It's just not compared to what Miami and also Brooklyn. You have to put Brooklyn in the mix because of how many picks, draft picks that Brooklyn that Brooklyn has. Um, again, realistically, realistically for Portland, what you want, you want a couple of things. You want a lot of draft equity. Like, there's not a player that probably, like, if you can, sure, if you can get Zion Williamson and your confidence that you have the type of culture that can fix Zion Williamson, then that's kind of like a no-brainer in the, in the essence with some draft picks because they because you can get you could get Zion Williamson and also get a bunch of picks, get a bunch of picks from New Orleans as well. But putting that aside, what you want is draft equity, and Brooklyn has a number of draft picks. Um, you get another draft picks from Brooklyn, and you can get another get a team to take uh take on. Nurkic's uh, contract which has three years left. They want to badly get rid of that contract. So you get another team, you might have to take a bad contract in return or or expiring contract in return, say, you know, Kyle Lowry, one year, $29 million, $24 million, or $29 million. Yeah, it's, I think it's 20, it's either 24 or 29, but it's only it's one year, which is which is a, which you can flip into some pieces uh, at, 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 at the trade deadline. But if Portland, when Portland does make this trade, they're going to get a number of, of draft picks from whatever team, from whoever they made, whatever combination of teams are involved. I I feel like this is going to be a three-team trade. I just feel like I just don't feel like there that there is a single team that's going that has enough assets that's going to suffice for Portland to make this deal. I think Portland will not rush to make this deal. I think they'll be relatively patient. Um, in terms of this deal, but he will be traded. Like I, I, there's no question in my mind that he absolutely will uh, be traded before the summer. Before the summer is out, before definitely before the season starts, before September, I, I can see him being traded in uh, definitely sometime, if not mid July, early late July, early August. But I, I think it's, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. As far as James Harden. Um, Again, you've heard you've heard with the Harden, you've heard the Clippers, you've heard, of course, the Knicks. 
You even heard the heat if they don't get Dame Lillard. Here's, let me give you some. Let me give you some numbers, some interesting numbers on James Harden. So from 2013 to 20 to 2000 to 2020, James Harden was an All Star every single year. That was that was an eight year period. Six times he was a top five, finished top five in the MVP voting. Eight times he finished top ten in the MVP voting. There were there was a stretch where he was top three in the MVP voting four straight years. And of course, he won, culminated in 2018, uh, winning uh, his his first and only MVP. He should have won it. I could have made a case, strong case, that he should have won it in 2017 uh, over Westbrook or or Kawhi Leonard. You could have gave it to Kawhi Leonard. It, bottom line, Westbrook should have won that year. But anyway, so you have that situation. You had that situation to where he's legitimately during that time period. Love the hate where you, despite all the postseason failures, he still made team relatively was still in the playoffs every year, making it to at least the Western Conference semifinals. Got to a couple conference finals, and you know, fell, of course, fell to Golden State uh, one of those years. But he was legitimately a top five to top seven player in the league. He was one of the there were, there were seven to eight guys that mattered in the league. There was always seven to eight guys that really matter more than most. He was one of those guys. He's one of those guys. And again, style of play was not in love with the isolation, the the flailing with the fouls and getting on, getting to the foul call, getting all the foul, getting uh, you know, get to a line, um, just manipulation of the officials from that standpoint. Whatever, it, you know, putting up big numbers. But we know it didn't equate to the postseason, but still, his numbers, his impact on the game during the regular season was undeniable. Never injured, relatively was, and that was probably the most underappreciated part of James Harden's game was his durability. Played heavy minutes, uh, showed up, and produced at an MVP level for almost a decade. That player, then he forces his way out of Houston in uh, 2020 and uh, 2021. And next thing you know, he's being he's now on his third trade in three years. Forces his way out of Houston. Um, in essence, quit on Houston. He broke up a team that came very close, a 65-win team that came very close to beating Golden State with basically forcing them to trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. How did that work out? And all the draft assets they had to give up to get a player that was significantly not as good as the player that they got rid of. Like Russell, you look at what Chris Paul did with has done with Oklahoma City and did with Phoenix versus what Russell Westbrook did once he got to Houston and how it turned out the Lakers. Who you think got the best, the better into that deal in regards to it? so and and they traded picks to get Russell Westbrook. That didn't work out. That didn't so. Forces the organization to do that. That doesn't work out. So, you know, the Brooklyn thing, the Brooklyn Force trade, I can kind of give him a semi pass on because we know what transpired with Kyrie. He got there. He got there and was like, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't, like, where's Kyrie at? Why is he not vaccinated? So I can kind of, like, I will. I can give him a, almost a semi-pass on, on the Brooklyn thing, even though he could have fought through it. And, you know, like, it, like he didn't 
do it. I mean, he didn't, he didn't exactly push through it and 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 and, uh, and and play along with Kevin Durant. Also, I got kind of give him a pass from from that standpoint. This Philly thing, he gets no pass because Philadelphia they added Patrick Beverly on a on a cheap, relatively bargain basement contract. Philadelphia was not that far away from being a championship caliber team. Now, I on this podcast, I repeatedly whipped Joel Embiid, uh, and rightfully so, as not being a leader, not you know his talent similar to James Harden, his talent not equating to uh, not living up to his talent from the standpoint as a leader, his talent, his le- his level of play as a player doesn't match it doesn't match his leadership. And he's been a bad he's been a bad leader, and he's been that similar to Harden. He's been bad. He has been mediocre in the postseason as comparison comparisons to the regular season. Okay, with you know basically three straight MVP caliber seasons, one MVP, but postseason play has not matched that level of play. So I gave him I gave MB, uh, you know, I destroyed MB and rightfully so. But if you're James Harden. Right, you're on a team that is not that far away. You instead of instead of pushing through and saying you got listen, you got your you got your wish, you got Doc Rivers out of there, and I'm not a Doc fan, so I I, I can't even knock that. Instead of saying, hey, maybe if I showed up more than two games in a playoff series, that we could possibly win. Maybe if I was more consistent. It wasn't like a, a feast of famine player, which he was in the postseason, which he was in that Celtic series. Either he was played like an all-time great or played like a, a, a guy that shouldn't even be in a rotation. It was either or. It was, no, it was really no in-between with Harden in that series. Maybe if I played better, we could possibly, we would have beat the Celtics, uh, who end up losing to the Heat, and possibly been competing for a championship uh, against Denver, going against Miami and going maybe against Denver. But with Harden, there's never a sense of, there's zero, zero sense of accountability with Harden. He is a guy who, again, I don't know why you would ever want him on your team at this stage, at this point in his career. Yeah, can he still put up all-star caliber numbers, all-NBA caliber numbers? You know, can he give you still 22, 10, and 5? Sure. Not going to be as efficient. His shooting, his shooting efficiency has dropped. He doesn't. He's not. As, he can't. He's he not. He's nowhere near as explosive as he once was. Does not get to the line like he used to. That's and that's mainly due to you know the, the officials finally stopped going for you know the the banana and tailpipe uh, with him and with these ridiculous ridiculous fouls that they were calling with him. But he's still an above average player, an all star caliber player in the regular season. But if you're a franchise that's trying to win a championship, like the Clippers are want to win a championship, the six the the Heat want to win a championship, why in the hell would you want this guy anywhere near your franchise? After watching what he's done in the last three years, watching the, the decline in talent of physical skills, where actually he's been missing games. In the last couple of years, he's no longer that, you know, that, you know, and, and he's no longer uh, that, you know, that durable guy who never missed a game when he was with the Houston Rockets during that course of that rarely missed games when he was with the Houston Rockets 
in that seven to eight year period that I just gave you? Why would you want to like, like, and he brings a, a, a culture. We talk about how important culture has been the last couple of years with these NBA champions, whether it's been in Milwaukee, whether it's been with uh, this year with Denver, or even last year with Golden State. We know what type of culture they have. They have, uh, and we saw we saw you know with the Jordan Poole, with the Draymond Green punch did to their culture this year that helped you know cost them that helped you know uh, limit the, how far they can go in the, in the playoffs this year or what type of year they had that set the set the culture for the for the, the entire 21, 22, 23 season. Why again? Why would you want this guy anywhere near your basketball team? And Kudos to the Houston Rockets, which you know, you know, did. Uh, we'll talk about them during free agency, but I never understood the idea of them wanting hard on their team with all those young players and wanting him to be any type of influence with, again with those young players. I like, I just never understood that. Like they just had like, he's he's not a leader. <laughs> he's and frankly, he's never been a leader. He's never been a leader of a team, even when he's been the best player on the team. When he was in Houston, he was the best player. He was not the leader of those teams. You know, Chris Paul got there. Chris Paul was the leader. You had other veteran players at times. Trevor Ariza, P.J. Tucker. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say Dwight Howard was the leader because he wasn't either. So, frankly, and one of the reasons why Houston never could get over the top, they really didn't have any great leadership uh, from their best, from their top players outside of the older Chris Paul at that which at that time Harden was clearly uh, their best player so that kind of negated his leadership from that standpoint but I, I I don't know a place for Chris I I honestly don't know it's, it's strange with James Harden I honestly don't know a place for him right now I it's almost similar to how I felt about Russell Westbrook this time last year um before he kind of changed his act up a little bit and humbled himself and, um, you know, play, actually played well in the playoffs, played well with the Clippers and, you know, just like he humbled himself. He really did because he was headed, Westbrook was headed out the league. But I don't know what, like, where, where does James Harden fit in the NBA right now with his current, with his current mindset? Forget about his game. We know, like, his game can fit. He's a one of the best passers in the league. He he, he can run your offense. Um, you would like him to play off the ball more, you know, just a little bit, maybe five percent more. But in terms of his mentality, his mindset, because he he can suck the life out of a team with his, with his with, with his energy. I don't know where he fits. Like I said, he doesn't make sense for a contending team right now. Considering. Considering the last three years, and he damn sure doesn't make sense for a team, a young up and coming team, Houston, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, a team like that makes zero sense for those teams, for any of those teams. So, if you're rebuilding, like you know, Washington Wizards, no, Detroit Pistons, no, Orlando, no. Again, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near my young, my young, talented up and coming players. San Antonio, absolutely not. So, it's going to be interesting. Someone, someone's going to take a huge, huge risk. I mean, uh, just a, a gigantic risk 
on one James Harden. And something because somebody will, because somebody will be allured by the talent. Someone will, someone will talk themselves into saying, hey, you know, James is, is all in, and you'll hear he wants to win a championship, and you'll hear shit like, oh, he's in the best shape of his life, and so on. So you'll hear that bullshit before the season starts. And that, that team will be sorely mistaken. Because I, I don't think at this point the guy's made almost $300 million in his career. He's chilling. He likes it, loves the lifestyle. Great. has a, a good, great for him. He's earned every dime of it. Right? He worked hard. Uh, he was not, I mean, he was a top five pick coming out of college, but no one thought he would be just a Hall of Famer, top 75 player. No one thought 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 that about James Harden. I mean, he didn't even start, you know, first part of his career for Oklahoma City. So he's, I mean, he's been a overachiever from that standpoint. He's had a great career from that standpoint. To be, I mean, we looking from a, just, if we're being, if we're looking at what, what, what were the expectations of James Harden coming into the NBA, he's exceeded that. But at this point in his career, in 2023, I wouldn't want him nowhere near my team. I just wouldn't. I think he's become uh, he's become toxic at this stamp at this point. It's always someone else's fault. Always, never his fault. Uh, so we're gonna go through free agency, free agency for a bit. Uh, I would say likes and uh, I don't understands. Uh, I don't understands. And there were a couple I don't understand signings to say at least. Begin with what I liked. Um, the Lakers. Uh, now again, I, I even as a Laker fan, I've been as critical of them as anyone. I wasn't sold on them even last season, postseason. Basically, they had they literally had to get to the Western Conference Finals for me to even be sold on 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 them as a as a good team, as an actual very good team. Uh, so they lose Troy Brown Jr., Stroder, Lonnie Walker. They keep uh, D'Angelo Russell on a on a on, on a relatively bargain uh, contract on a, on a on a solid contract. They can flip him as a trade piece next year if they want to. They keep a they keep Austin Reeves more importantly on a great contract. I thought Austin Reeves was, was going to get someone would sign Austin Austin Reeves to an offer sheet to of a minimum 80, 80 to eighty five million dollars. That just shows you where we're at financially in today's NBA. I thought for sure Austin Reeves would get, would like, four. Here's what Austin Reeves is going to end up getting, 456. I, I would have laughed at you. Like, there's no way he's going to get, he's going to get a bigger contract, but that's what he ends up end up getting, 456. So, you you add Torian Prince, Gabe Vincent, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish, and all those guys account for $44 million. So, you can't do much better and then they also kept really Hashimura a little bit high for three fifty one, but you know, with the new with the new television money that's coming in soon, that that will kind of make up, kind of cancel it out and make up for that. Now the Jackson Hayes, I'm not a big Jackson Hayes guy myself, um, but you know he can get in there and give you some depth on the front line as you try to navigate your way towards towards the postseason, especially trying to keep Anthony Davis upright until. Until April, um, you look at the depth on this team. They are as deep of a team that there is in the in the league right now. Now, would I pick them to beat Denver Lakers in the finals in the West Conference Finals? No. But are they to me right as we on July fourth, the second best team in the Western Conference? Probably. When you look at the when you look at the Western Conference as a whole, um, 
you know, we'll see what Golden State does. Uh, I don't think Golden State's done. They have some pieces that they could possibly move with some of their younger players. They re- they get they re-signed Draymond Green, which I which we all knew was going to happen for for a hundred million dollars. So you know they keep that their core intact with uh, Draymond, Curry, Draymond, Curry Thompson, and Green. But I think right now you look at when you look at the the landscape of the Western Conference, I I don't see how like major question marks with with, with Memphis. I even know we'll talk about Phoenix a little later on, but I don't. I I think the Lakers probably are. I think a clear number two right now. Now, clear number two, things could change. We, we'll see how they, they how they mesh and what have you. But remember, they went to their conference finals. This team was not. They did not have a lot of time to gel, especially with some of the the mirror injuries that they had. That you know they moved. They had they they were a number of uh, iterations of, of the Los Angeles Lakers last season. Again, Westbrook actually started the season on the Lakers. If, if that, I mean, I know that's hard to believe because it seemed that that was like it was like three seasons in one uh, for the Lakers, and how many lineup changes and how many rotations that they had over the course of the season. But you know, you give them a, a year to gel, the entire season to gel. Maybe you know, can LeBron be healthier? Um, we'll see about that. They have certainly have enough depth for to, to, for him to only play. He should LeBron at this stage should only be playing no more than thirty to thirty two minutes, no more than thirty minutes a game at this point. To be honest with you, and having this type of depth, having a full training camp a whole summer, they should be able to get off to a relatively good start. Uh, instead, you know, last year they were off, they were two and ten. They should be able to get off to a relatively uh, a solid start to where you can um, rest LeBron. You can kind of like kind of not uh, kind of coast LeBron through the regular season and pick and choose your spots when LeBron plays. They, you know, LeBron probably only plays sixty games next year, sixty to sixty-five games. Where like he probably shouldn't play no more than sixty five games. So I I love the move the moves you I as a Laker fan, you gotta you have to like, not like, love the moves that they made. I'm glad and I again I never thought this was gonna happen, but not getting in business with not getting in business with Kyrie Irving, they learned from the mistake with with, with Russell Westbrook. That the whole idea of a big three, that 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 day is done. There's no such thing in regards to that, uh, in terms of how you built a team. Uh Miami is different because they Dame Lillard could be the could be the final piece of the puzzle. Kyrie Irving would not been would not have been the final piece to the puzzle if you put him on his team and he then you have absolutely no depth whatsoever. So they did this is the right way to do it. We've seen it with again Milwaukee, Golden State last couple years and uh Denver this year, you have to have depth, quality depth on your team if you want to make a long run uh, in the playoffs. Uh, in regards to Phoenix, uh, give Phoenix a lot of credit. Um, you talk about making a dollar out of 15 cent. Um, they took, they had a number of minimum contracts um, and they ended up getting, you know, Eric Gordon, Drew, you know, Drew Eubanks. They get Watanabe from uh, Brooklyn. Uh, they keep Damian Lee. Uh, they keep a, uh, 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 Akogi, Matu, uh, sign Matu, keep Akogi. Now, Long they lose Longdale. I can't knock them losing Longdale. Someone like 
he he someone gave him thirty two million dollars. Sure, like those those those. I mean, thirty two million dollars for that guy. I'm sorry, I would not give him thirty two million dollars. So I I don't even knock them for that. So they'll come into the season with nine players shooting over thirty five percent from the field from the three point line. Um, and they still have the the trade at of course a a trade piece in in DeAndre Ayton, uh, in which if I'm them, I don't think you can have enough depth around Durant, Booker, and Bill to be honest with you. So I would I still think that they will probably end up moving uh, Aiden, maybe not the summer. Maybe they let this. Maybe they let, let they will probably more likely have this group see see how this group plays the first couple of months and have that Aiden ship in their back pocket. Um, I think Aiden's going to get moved before the season's over. Because I, like, I just can't see, again, Durant, we've seen the injury history with Durant, Bill, and to a lesser extent Booker over the past couple of years, especially Durant and Bill. Um, and I, I just think that you have to get some more, even some more quality depth. Um moving forward to get to the playoffs and, and, and get some more even veteran players uh, going to the playoffs who can play quality minutes in the playoffs. Because that's where Phoenix is at right now. You got the, like the Lakers have legitimately, I think the Lakers have legitimately seven guys, seven to eight guys who can play quality playoff minutes. And that when you're, when you're, when you're the Lakers, when you're Golden State, when you're a team that's a, that's has any aspirations of contenders, of being a contender, you have to find guys sign guys who can play in the postseason. Who you think could play in the postseason. It's not just enough to get to the postseason, navigate your way to the postseason uh with with depth. You have to have you, like these teams are trying to win championships. Like right now. Lakers trying to win right now. Phoenix is trying to win right now. Golden State is trying to win another one right now. So it's all about how many how many guys do we have that can actually play in April, April, possibly April through June. And again, we we know that these bargain basement contracts can, can go south quickly as far as the quality of players. I saw it with the Lakers a couple of years ago. Everybody thought the Lakers had a dream team with how much depth they had. And, oh, they got look at all the, look how deep they are. Look at all this quality play. Look at all these these you know former all stars. The, the question was the problem was they were five to six years past their primes when you came in with uh, Carmelo. And Ariza and some of the other guys that they had, it was just like, no, these guys are cooked, and they were they were cooked, and they were, um, and they couldn't shoot. <laughs> so that can go left. A lot of these, listen, a lot of these guys, and you see a lot of those guys on Lakers signed a couple of years ago. Uh, they they were not even in the league last year. Okay, they were not even in the league last year. But I think Phoenix did a much better job in terms of some of the the value signings that they got with some of the guys. Like these guys are legit rotation guys. Watanabe, Eric Gordon, uh, you know, Damian League. So these so these are some legit guys that they got as far as the, in terms of especially in regards to um, some of the shooters that they were able to get. Big weekend for the class of twenty twenty. You have a new set of $200 million guys in the league. Uh, we see that uh, Anthony Edwards gets five years a contract. And I'll get it. Edwards, 
I know Edwards was not a part of the 2020, but class. But in terms of, but you had other guys, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Lamelo Ball, who were, but Edwards um, gets five years, 260 million dollars. A contract that could be worth of an essence of 260 million. Lamelo Ball, five years, 260 million. Desmond Bain, five years, 205 million. And Tyrese Halliburton, five years, 205 million. Not, not included in that list. Um, DeMontis Sabonis gets his contract renegotiated to go in some new money, which turned out which would be five years, $217 million. So he renegotiated his contract, allowed them to re-sign um, Harrison Barnes at three years, for three years, $51 million. Here's the thing about these contracts. So now again, all these players, right, Anthony Edwards is absolutely no brainer. I've seen Anthony Edwards in the playoffs. I've seen him play. I know he is he is the future. He is the present and the future of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's their best player right right now. He's their best player. Um, he's going to be a leader of that franchise. He's only twenty two. That was absolutely a no brainer. Lamelo Ball, Desmond Bain, understandable. Um, again. This goes back to some of this, some of this goes back to, you know, kind of John Moran insurance. Um, and you're in a position where you on you're in a position where you had to pay. All these guys had to be paid. Because here's the thing. If any if these guys were free agents, all of them would be paid the max would be paid max like max players or semi or semi max players. Or close to the max as possible, they would on the open, on the open market. If they were outright free agents, someone someone would get them would give them the money, no question about it. You better not you as a franchise in today's climate with the CBA, you better you better not miss in regards to that to that signing. Like you sign a guy for that for a super max extension like this, a super max rookie extension, you better hit on that guy and you. The key signing will be the next signing for your team. Like, who does Charlotte sign with that second max contract? Super closer, that close to the super max contract. Who does Indiana sign with that next super max contract? Because these contracts, like these guys, I mean, these are long contracts. These are five year, these are five year contracts. It's not like a two, it's not like the Fred Man need two to three to four year contracts. These are long, these are these, you are in it. A long haul with these particular with some with, with, with more likely put with these players. So you better hit on these, you better hit on the second signing on your team to co to coexist to uh coincide uh with these players. And the thing about these franchises is is now again, Minnesota, we'll see what happens with Minnesota. They have a lot of question marks. Um, who knows what they're gonna do with Carl Anthony Towns, how that's gonna really go bare. They they're they they don't have any picks, they have a lot of question marks moving forward. If you're Charlotte, again, if you're Charlotte, who are you putting, who are you putting next to LaMelo Ball? Who are you putting next to LaMelo Ball? If you're Indiana, Tyrese Halliburton, who are you putting next to him? They have now, Indiana, they picked up um, Obi Tobin for a couple of second-round picks. I actually love to, I like to trade for them. I don't necessarily dislike it for the Knicks. I, I think people are making way too much for Obi Toppin in terms of his upside. I don't think he was ever going to become an all-star. But from any standpoint, it made 
perfect sense. If you get a guy that can play legit, that can play rotational minutes for, that could be a rotation player for two second round picks, you make the deal and he's still very young and you're not going to have to pay him a lot of money right now. You make the deal. But for these particular players, in particular, again, Edwards and Halliburton were at, Edwards and Bay more so with no brainer. It's more about LaMelo Ball. Because even Tyrese Halliburton, Indiana does not draw free agents a lot. You you have a guy that's an all star point guard that played that's going to give you close to twenty and ten. You got to get that. You're going to have to get. You have to give him a super max deal, a rookie super max. You almost have. You almost have, you just have to. But Lamelo Ball, um, you know Charlotte really has not sniffed the playoffs um, in the last couple of years, and that franchise again. I that that's a situation where question to me is who will put next next to LaBelle Ball um in terms of, you know, building your team, you know, in terms of building your team around, in terms of that next super max guy. Now they drafted Brandon Miller. We'll see how that works out. Again, we've already talked about that and what everything that went into making that pick. I know a lot of people on Scoot Henderson. I didn't have any problem with the pick myself considering Brandon Miller six is six nine. We'll see how they develop him. But you know, Charlotte has a lot of issues as far as leadership or lack thereof. They have a new owner. Owner, we'll see how they have a new owner. Um, they are notorious for not really spending money per se. Uh, they they don't they're one of those franchises that don't will never have to worry about the second uh, tax apron into in, in, in this current CBA. They just won't have to. But uh, again, these contracts we're going like. These were no-brainer signings as far as uh, you're not going. You know, you're not going to let these guys walk. You're not going to do that. But to me, I there are a lot of question marks with more so about the teams on these guys moving forward in terms of uh, what direction they're going to go in with these. Uh, but these signings, of course, were just. I mean, were absolutely no-brainers. And um, listen. The money is going to increase. Uh, as the money increases, the decisions um, from these franchises, the stakes are even going to go up higher. The room for error, room for error, even less with some of these decisions uh, on on some of these play on some of these players making this type of money. As far as any real thoughts, um, one baseball thought. Um, so baseball is an interesting place right now uh, as far as parity, revenue sharing young talent development. The game probably has never been in a, in a better place. Um, there's no dominant team. They have cleaned up the whole idea of being, of outspending, out, of out, you know, those days where the Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers could just outspend everybody and then dominate. Those days are done. So it's more about player development, drafting. There's a bunch of young talent in baseball. And even this year, if you notice, the, that time clock, pitching clock, hitting clock, all that stuff is working because these games are going by quicker. They, they, I think these games on average have shaved off at least 30 minutes, which is a, which is an eternity, an eternity uh, for a baseball game. So, you know, things are on the, on the uh, you know, for baseball are, are going, have been going on pretty well for the most part. What baseball needs to do is throw all their energy into Shoatani. Shoatani, you haven't seen him, is a guy who right now is the most important, 
the best player in baseball. He is the most important player in baseball right now. He's the most important player in baseball in maybe a decade, to be honest with you. Uh, you want you want to call him the modern day Babe Ruth, whatever you can call him. He is yes, he's that. He's a guy that legitimately could be an MVP as well as a side young candidate. He is must see television. He only is only twenty eight. He's going to, you know, when he becomes a free agent, it talks about possibly him trade. I don't see him getting traded because they're actually in contention right now. The Angels, I think, were like two games over 500. They are in with, you know, you have about a million wild cards in baseball, so almost anybody can get into the playoffs. So they're going to be, unless they completely, and I know Trout got injured with, with the wrist. We'll see how long he's out last night. But um, if you're baseball, I, I think you just have to toss all your marketing, everything you got into promoting the shit out of this guy. Like he is that he, like I said, he was the most important baseball player in maybe a, in, maybe in a decade, maybe in a generation for what he does on the field. No one, we've never seen anybody. Ray Ruth was in the twenties and thirties. So we've never seen anybody in the modern era do what this guy is doing. As far as being a guy who right now has what 31 home runs and a dominant pitcher as well. He has like a three oh he's like I think he's like six and two with a three point oh two ERA as a pitcher. He's dominating hitting, he's dominating as a dom he's a dominant hitter, he's a dominant pitcher. So if you're baseball and you look at you're looking for someone to attract to young people, you're looking for a some somebody to draw in the casual fan. This is the guy that you need to be putting all your resources into as far as marketing. He should be doing, he should be on every commercial that's connected with Major League Baseball. And this is where baseball has, frankly, has failed in terms of the promotion of their sport over the past 10, basically over the past 10 to 15 years, to be honest with you. It's fair they failed miserably and they failed, they've fallen behind the other sports considerably uh, behind basketball and football. It's not even close. Now they're gonna have a they were gonna have a hard time competing with those sports anyway because those are obviously those are fast paced sports with basketball and football you know football is football. Um, so, but with that being said, you have a guy who right now is the one of the most unique athletes in team sports right now. This guy, there's nobody in team sports that can do what this guy is doing. Like there's no like no one, and right now you have an opportunity. To again, he's 20, he's only twenty eight years old. He's in his baseball prime, and he he's in a major market in L A. Get get him on some billboards. Get him on, get him on some commercials, and 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 take advantage of this wave while he's still playing at this level. And this and this guy is a real deal. He just came like he he's an MVP, and he legitimately could be an MVP. He's going. He's on his way. He's on his way, probably to back-to-back MVPs, and could be in contention for a Cy Young award award this year. That's how dominant he's been. So, if you're baseball, you it'll be in your best interest of the sport moving forward. If you want, if you want to win fans back, if you want to cut in somewhat to football and to basketball, this is this is the best chance you've had in again in the in, in the last ten to fifteen years easily. It might be you might even be the best chance you've had even since since the steroid era. Steroid steroids era, to be honest with you. So I'll wrap it up for this next edition of the Real Real Podcast. I will be back with you later this week uh with another episode on Snowfall. 
uh, episode three. We have episode two, Make the Birds Fly, dropping very soon. Coming out, will be coming out today, matter of fact. So stay tuned for that. And episode three will be dropping off, dropping later this week. So long.